All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. In today's episode, I am joined by Ted Nguyen of The Athletic, as well as Charles McDonald of For The Win. And we're going to get more into the X's and O's of how Kyle Pitts fits into Atlanta's offense. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalcFans.com. RIP. Still going strong, however, on Twitter at FalcFans. And, of course, the host of this world-renowned Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And before we get into today's continuance of Locked On Kyle Pitts right here on the Locked On Falcons podcast, I do want to plug that you don't necessarily have to be solely Locked On Kyle Pitts because Peacock and Williamson podcast can have you locked on all things NFL covering all 32 NFL teams in addition to the Atlanta Falcons and currently former NFL scout Matt Williamson as well as NFL analyst Brian Peacock on the Peacock and Williamson show are breaking down their thoughts going division by division on each division in each NFL team's draft classes. So check that out on the Peacock and Williamson podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So guys, today we continue day three of Locked On Kyle Pitts week here on the Locked On Falcons podcast with Charles McDonald of For the Win and Ted Win of The Athletic. And, you know, today we're going to be talking a little bit more about something that we talked a little bit with John Ledger of Pewter Report last week when talking about his thoughts on the Falcons draft class and talking about, you know, with John, we talked about how a team like Tampa Bay in particular might decide to try to scheme up against Kyle Pitts. And today we'll sort of look more from a Falcons perspective on how to best integrate Kyle Pitts into this Falcons offense. And we'll get Ted first up who covers various teams as well as the NFL. And it's kind of the X's and O's guy over at the athletic, get his thoughts on how Pitts fits within the Arthur Smith offense. We'll get a little bit more insight into the value of 12 personnel uh, and how Kyle Pitts integrates within that. We'll get Charles's thoughts later on the episode on similar subjects, as well as get Charles a Falcon fans uh, thoughts on the Falcons draft class as a whole. But before we get there, guys, you know, I know on Tuesday, the Falcons uh, officially dropped their little, you know, post draft mini movie. It was like a 10 or 11 minute movie or whatever the case may be. And, you know, the clip that's floating around quite a bit uh, is of their reaction live in the moment when they found that the Trey Lance was going to be the 49ers pick. And, you know, I've got hit up from people thinking like, oh, Aaron, doesn't this basically kill that narrative that you believe that Trey Lance was higher on their draft board than Kyle Pitts? And, you know, surprise, surprise. And I know people will say, oh, this is classic Aaron being stubborn. But, uh, you know, I don't think that really kills that narrative. I, I think you can certainly, if you believe that Kyle Pitts was legitimately the second highest graded player on the Falcons draft board, you watch that video, it will confirm that in your eyes. If you don't believe that, as I tend to, uh, I, I think there are some certain things in the video that may not necessarily confirm it uh, because we'll probably never know the answer to who was number two or who was number three on, on the Falcons draft board, unless something goes horribly wrong and you wind up in a situation similar to what we saw with Washington with Dwayne Haskins, where people basically start leaking and pointing fingers and blaming other people. Like, Oh, I, I wasn't responsible for the Haskins picks. It was this other guy's fault. Uh, so hopefully we, we kind of never find the answer to this question, but you know, I'm not going to get into it on today's episode, but 
I will say we'll probably talk about it on Friday, but I, I think you can see some things in that video and make you go, Hmm, if, if they were, you know, Kyle Pitts was truly number two, then what does this part of the video mean? But we can get into that later this week, uh, as we wrap up, uh, on the weekly wrap up, which is currently scheduled to be Friday's episode to catch up on the, all the news that we missed early this week as we we're locked on Kyle Pitts. But speaking of being locked on Kyle Pitts, let's get to the matter at hand and let's talk with Ted Nguyen, uh, first up from the athletic about Kyle Pitts fit within the Arthur Smith offense. All right, guys, you're locked on Falcons. Aaron Freeman here, your usual host, and I'm joined by another illustrious guest, joined by Ted Nguyen, who covers the entire NFL for The Athletic, but specializes in the Raiders and 49ers. He's one of the best reads that you're going to find if you subscribe to The Athletic. Personally, I think if your goal is to learn more about X's and O's and all that stuff behind the game of football itself, I would say re- just reading Ted's stuff alone is worth the athletic subscription, but of course you get so much more, but uh, Ted, I appreciate you coming today and, and talking with me about uh, the newest Falcon in Titan Kyle Pitts. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Now it, it seems like there was near universal uh, agreement that Kyle Pitts was one of the premier prospects in this past year's draft class. When you got the chance to watch him these last few months, what really sort of stood out in your eyes in terms of the traits that he could bring to an NFL offense? Yeah, I think a lot of times, you know, comparisons are made really um, loosely. But I, I thought the consensus um, comparison for Kyle Pitts really fits. You know, I, I cover the Raiders mainly. So I uh, I watch Darren Waller kind of come up from nowhere, watch him just dominate in training camp and then become a star. And just watching uh, Kyle Pitts, just the way he moves, reminds me a lot about a, a, lot, a lot with Darren Waller, how he's so good in and out of breaks. He has, t- you know, really good top end speed uh, for a tight end. Obviously, we know Kyle Pitts has that with his 40 time and just the way he was able to beat DBs. Uh, I mean, he's truly just a, a matchup nightmare. You know, linebacks are too slow to cover him. If you put a linebacker on him, he's going to burn him down the seam. You put him outside, you can't press him. He's so good against press. He could, you know, he won on a million slant routes against some top flight corners in um, the SEC, too. Um, and you know, as far as his blocking goes, I, I think, um, he, he's, he'll probably be a below average NFL blocker and that's not a terrible thing. You know, I think he puts a lot of effort into his blocking. He just doesn't have the size to do it. Um, uh, but I mean, that's not why you draft him, uh, draft him, you don't, you don't draft him to keep him in there to block anyways. But I think if you ask him to block, he'll be able to do it. He'll, he'll be serviceable. Uh, he's just not going to be dominating, but at the same time, I don't think he's going to be as bad as some people think he, he will be. Now, you mentioned Darren Waller as a guy that you cover. Obviously, you watch a lot of 49ers. You see George Kittle. You've seen a lot of AFC West football over the years because of that coverage of the Raiders. Travis Kelsey in Kansas City, going back to Antonio Gates and Julius Thomas in Denver. Noah Fant currently in Denver. Um, I feel like you're pretty qualified to talk about some of the premier tight ends in the league and sort of what is it that you see in Kyle Pitts' game that makes you think he has the potential to join potentially that upper echelon of tight ends in the coming years in Atlanta? Uh, it's just a combination. I, you know, uh, if you have to have uh, in a box, some DNs, defensive tackle, at the same time to beat uh, defensive backs. So Kyle Pitts obviously is a freak. Um, and the overall combination and uh, route running. And, and another thing that jumped out in Florida was how much they moved them around, too. Um, you know, people think it's easy just to move around. Oh, let's put Kyle Pitts at X. Let's put him at Z. Uh, but it, it's to learn the entire playbook for each of those positions for him to be able to u- utilize that way. 
Uh, so just having the intelligence to be able to uh, learn all these different positions is, is going to be a huge key for him. As I said at the top of the show, you, you do a lot of X's and O's stuff for The Athletic. And when you're sitting down this upcoming season and you're watching film of the Falcons offense, what is maybe the most interesting thing? What's the thing that you're looking most forward to seeing when you watch this Arthur Smith offense and all the weapons that he's going to have deployed in 2021? Yeah, I mean, I think they're just going to go back to uh, what Kyle Shanahan did with uh, Matt Ryan that year. Uh, he, he won MVP. They're going to go with a lot of outside zone. They're going to go with the, some bootlegs, a lot of um, play action deep shots. And, you know, Kyle Pitts is going to be killer on those crossing routes. He's going to be a run after the threat catch on those short little uh, bootlegs when, you know, he just releases out to the flat and catches the ball, you know, a couple yards downfield and, and turns up and runs. Um, so this is a very tight end friendly offense as we've seen. Uh, you know, we, we, we've seen um, Matt LaFleur take it to Green Bay and uh, Robert Tunyon come out of nowhere and put up great numbers. Obviously, we know George Kittle's put up great numbers. Uh, John o. Smith, when he's healthy in Arthur Smith's offense, I, I imagine he'll get used a lot like that. Um, again, you know, running down to seam crossers, catching those flat routes in the, um, in, in the flats and turning up, uh, turning up the field. Um, so, yeah, tight ends could be very productive in this, uh, this type, this style of offense. Now, a lot has been made of Arthur Smith's usage of 12 personnel, those two tight end sets in Tennessee. I believe I saw somewhere uh, where when you just count, you know, two tight end and three tight end sets combined, over 51% of Tennessee's offensive formations came with those multiple tight end sets last year. Um, why? What is it about the sort of two tight end sets uh, that make it so effective uh, from a passing standpoint uh, in addition to its value in the run game? Well, starting in a run game, uh, when you run outside zone, you're trying to stress out gaps. You know, you're, you're stretching out these gaps, uh, stressing out defenders to fit the run and stressing them out to keep their – uh, gap integrity and when you add a tight end you make that surface a little wider so you know if you have a put tight end on the backside that's an extra gap on the backside that the defense has to account for and that makes things more difficult you add two tight ends to one side that adds two gaps to the front side so that makes things more difficult and um you know that's why these two tight end three tight end sets are, are so popular They're just very uh tough on defenses to try to um, match up in the run against. And then if you're loading up against the run too much, then they're going to play action and, and hit you with some deep shots with those tight ends if they have multiple skill sets. Um, so, you know, I, I think um, so. The, the tricky part about Kyle Pitts is, you know, we talked about it. He's not a dominating uh, run blocker. And usually when you run outside zone, you need a pretty good run blocker on the front side um, to handle that defensive end and, and double team with the, with the tackle. And I just don't think Kyle Pitts is going to be great as a front side blocker too much. So I think that they'll probably run a lot of outside zone away from him and put him on the backside, or they'll they'll um, have him play wing next to Hayden Hurst. So he'll just be lined up as a tight slot uh, next to Hayden Hurst. That way he doesn't have a huge blocking responsibility in the front side. Um, but yeah, like once the defenses start loading up against a run, because Hayden Hurst is a pretty good run blocker. So. Um, once they find ways to stress defenses with their 12, tie, 12 personnel and uh, defenses have to respond by putting more guys in the box, that's when you're going to have some real uh, matchup nightmares with uh, Kyle Pitts. Um, you mentioned already John O. Smith and his role in, in the Titans offense. 
And when I watched Arthur Smith's offense in Tennessee, you know, obviously it was very Derrick Henry focused and it seemed like AJ Brown was sort of their go-to option in the passing game, running a lot of those crossing routes and Yankee concepts. Obviously we've seen Julio Jones dominate with those types of route concepts in the past in the Kyle Shanahan offense, as you mentioned, Corey Davis was impactful. And it, it seemed like to me, John o. Smith and say a guy like Adam Humphreys kind of just pick and chose their spots all when the ball wasn't going to one of those three other players, given that the Falcons have the weapons that they have, they've taken Kyle Pitts as high. Is there some concern that Kyle Pitts may not be as utilized as maybe his draft position would usually merit uh, if he's just sort of relegated to a John U. Smith like role, or do you feel like there's the potential that Arthur Smith is going to maybe expand that playbook portion for the tight end position in order to maximize Kyle Smith's uh, impact on the offense? Yeah, I think, um, part of the reason that John Smith got kind of uh, fell out of favor in Tennessee late in the season is just, just mostly because of injuries. And then um, Ferkshire, there, the other tight end, kind of emerged as a good uh, target. So he became kind of their go-to tight end on third downs. Um, and, and John Smith, is he, he's a very good player, but he's not a great route runner. Uh, he, he doesn't run a huge route tree, where, whereas I think Kyle Pitts could run every route in, in the playbook. Um, and I also think um, – John Smith, you know, he's not a guy that you're going to move to X or, Z, uh, X or Z receiver. Kyle Pitts is certainly one of those guys where you could line him up outside. And I think we'll see some of that early where, you know, he'll play Z and then he'll motion, you know, then that way he can motion into the box and he could, um, you know, line up as a wing like we talked about next to Hurst. You know, he, he might even be a guy to hand, up, hand off some fly sweeps to. Um, Arthur Smith actually did that with um, – with uh, Johnny Smith at times, they had to hand him off and fly sweeps. And you can imagine Kyle Pitts could be pretty dangerous on those as well. Um, so there's just all sorts of ways you could use him and uh, move him around and make sure that he gets good matchups. And that's part of the reason why you, you draft a guy like Kyle Pitts, because um, like we talked about, he has that intelligence to be able to learn all these positions and move around and find favorable matchups. Um, I mean, I think there is a chance that, you know, he's not going to put up a thousand yards because of all the weapons that, uh, the Falcons have, you know, you got to spread the ball to Calvin Ridley, to uh, Julio Jones. And, you know, that, that there's just not a lot of balls to go around, but it doesn't mean that he's going to not make a huge impact if he, he doesn't get a thousand yards receiving. Absolutely. Well, Ted, I, I really appreciate you joining me and, and giving your insights into what Kyle Pitts could bring to Atlanta. Look, obviously, for obvious reasons, because it's a team I cover, uh, I look forward to seeing what he can do. Um, and again, I, I said it at the top of the show, really appreciate your work and what you do. I thought that piece that you wrote a couple of years ago about how important the running game is a must read uh, because, you know, it, it goes on both sides of whether the running game is important, whether the running game is not important. Um, but that being said, you know, what sort of content do you have coming up at the athletic as we uh, gear up towards this upcoming season? Uh, well, a piece that I'm excited to work on is just a piece about how, um, the creator type of quarterback is, uh, you know, it's changing the league and how it's changing coaching and strategy. So, um, you know, when I talk about creator quarterbacks, I'm talking about second reaction type of quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes, you know, who, who creates plays after the um, initial play design. So um, that's a piece I'm pretty excited to get going on. Absolutely. Uh, let the people know where they can uh, find your stuff in, in addition to the, the great written content you have at The Athletic. Yeah, it's just uh, mo most of my work is on the athletic. Uh, I'm on the podcast, State of the Nation. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at FD 
uh, underscore film analysis. All right. Ted, again, really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your insights and look forward to any future conversations we have uh, talking X's and O's about the Falcons and, and seeing whether or not uh, Kyle Pitts winds up living up to this Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey uh, like hype, George Kittle as well uh, here in Atlanta. And hopefully he will uh, for my sake. But, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes for the rest of the <laughs> NFL. All right. Thanks for having me on. So, guys, still more to come on today's Locked on Falcons podcast. We'll be joined by Charles McDonald of For the Win, and maybe he'll give us a slightly different opinion on how Kyle Pitts fits into that John U. Smith-like role within the Arthur Smith offense, as well as get Charles's thoughts on the Falcons 2021 draft class as a whole. But before we get there, guys, I do have to plug the NHL side of the Lockdown Podcast Network, something I don't plug very often on this podcast because I know there probably aren't that many big NHL fans in the state of Georgia, which is the predominant listener base of this podcast. But I'm sure there's a couple of guys out there, a couple of gals out there that are big NHL fans. And of course, the NHL playoffs are starting very soon. We're just a couple of days away. And if you want to find out all the latest on your favorite hockey team's uh, race for the Stanley Cup, of course, you can find that on the Lockdown Podcast Network, on the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. So Falcon fans, listen up. Nugenics is the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, and they're offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. Get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea by texting DRAFT to 231231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testafin, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels, increases energy and lean muscle mass. If you're over 40 or like me approaching 40, don't let age get in the way. Get your edge back with Nugenics. Plus, if you text right now, they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you get back into shape absolutely free. Text DRAFT to 231231. That's DRAFT, D-R-A-F-T, to 231231. That's DRAFT to 231231. Message and data rates may apply. So, guys, you are locked on Falcons. Of course, I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, joined by my good friend, Charles McDonald, who makes frequent guest appearances here on Locked on Falcons because he is of the most illustrious stock of guests that we have here on the podcast. And Charles is going to be here with us to talk about Kyle Pitts and his fit within the Falcons offense. Charles, my friend, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. It's been so long. I think it's been uh, like a week and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we we had you on before the draft, and I, I would like to ask you a question about your reaction to the draft class as a whole, but we'll focus mostly on, on Kyle Pitts. And, you know, I'm talking with various people and trying to get their insights into what they see in terms of God, Kyle Pitts's fit within the Arthur Smith scheme, some of the more X's and O's type of stuff. I, I know you're working on something uh, for the for the win at USA Today. So I guess I'll just give you the floor and just, you know, maybe spoil a little bit of, of your article a little bit here on the podcast. Well, I, I, I guess I, I spoiled it a little bit myself when I tweeted out the other day. I guess we'll kind of jog my brain about writing this thing. You know, like last year, Johnny Smith, who's now at the New England Patriots, like he got a lot of, uh, or he, he had a big role in that Titans offense that Arthur Smith was using last year. You know, even as run heavy as they were, he still found out, uh, carved out a role for Johnny Smith. But I just can't imagine that you would use Johnny Smith the same way that you would use Kyle Pitts, which is what made it kind of interesting to me because you have Johnny Smith, 
uh, I think I, if I have this correct, last year his average depth of target for the Titans was uh, about five yards. And before uh, – and, and someone actually pointed out this to me on Twitter. Like before Taylor Wong got hurt, he was actually averaging a 6.3 average depth of target after Taylor Wong got hurt when they're using him more like chips and uh, pass protection stuff. He was averaging like 4.8 yards. Uh, you know, average depth of target. So, uh, and, and, you know, I don't really think that that's a thing that matters with the Falcons because, like, when you look at Jonathan Smith, like, some of his biggest strengths are catching the ball, yards after catch, like, pretty unusual ball-carrying ability for a tight end. But, you know, that's just not, to me at least, like, how you would want to use Kyle Pitts. Like, I just imagine that Pitts, just from watching his Florida tape and watching the way he runs and just watching the way he's built – that's just someone you want to use more as a vertical threat, you know, down the seam, down the field, not someone who's catching a lot of screens or catching a lot of, you know, dumb passes on play action uh, roll-ups that we've seen Arthur Smith, like Kyle Shanahan do back in the day. I just think that when you try to fit Kyle Pitts into what Arthur Smith has done with tight ends over the past few years, it doesn't really quite fit with what makes Kyle Pitts a special player. Like he could do all the Johnny Smith stuff. Uh, but there's just I think there's just a, a, an element more that Kyle Pitts has to his game that Jonathan Smith doesn't have. Uh, it's just going to be interesting to see like how they feature him on some of these vertical routes down the field because that's something Arthur Smith hasn't done like a whole lot of with his tight ends. Now I think you bring up some interesting points, and, and it's been something that I've talked about a little bit here on the podcast these last couple of months, and it goes back to something that Arthur Smith said back in January when he was first hired, talking about adapt adaptability in terms of doing things differently here in Atlanta than he did in Tennessee because he doesn't have the same personnel that he had in Tennessee. And a lot of people focus primarily on Derrick Henry because he's the one obvious difference there. But you, you talk about the differences between Kyle Pitts and John O. Smith, and I, I sort of agree with you on that. Um, do you feel like we're going to see new wrinkles of what how he utilizes a tight end with how he utilized Kyle Pitts, not only because of Kyle Pitts' relatively – rare skill set, but also it, it kind of makes this exercise of trying to guess what Arthur Smith is going to use him kind of futile because a lot of it is kind of just you kind of make it up as you go, I, I guess, and figure it out uh, as you learn and grow about what Kyle Pitts can do. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess for me, I get kind of excited because when I watch Arthur Smith's calling plays for the Titans offense, you know, like, even though Jonathan Smith isn't, like, the best contested catch guy or the best guy, like, down the field, like, he, they still gave him the chances to go make those plays, which, to me, thinks, like, well, if you sub someone out for, like, Jonathan Smith and put Kyle Pitts in there, you can still keep your foot on the gas pedal on some of these, uh, you know, intermediate and longer passes that you're throwing down the field because you have a better chance of – you have a player that's more uh, equipped to come down with some of these contested catches uh, down the field, but you know, I do expect like a lot of like, or not a lot of it, but some of the stuff that they do stay the same because, you know, Jonathan Smith was great on play action for the Titans. Kyle Pitts, I would be stunned if he, if he couldn't do some of that stuff where literally you're just running to a spot and uh, basically the play action is going to make it for you, make it open for you. And then, you know, Kyle Pitts, he's got some crazy, like some really good run after the catch ability himself too. So. Uh, you know, I, I just think that in terms of like the vertical passing game, is it going to allow Arthur Smith to be a little bit more aggressive during the Titans than maybe he was in the past and not 
everything has to be so schemed up. But like, if he's going to give chances to Johnny Smith to, you know, go try to catch jump balls in the end zone, I don't see why you wouldn't do the same for Kyle Pitts. So uh, to me, it's just more about how this affects, you know, the deep portion of uh, the Falcons passing game. Cause I, I mean, I, for me, when I watch Kyle Pitts play, that's how I will be one to use it. Yeah. And you know, I don't know if you got the same impression watching Arthur Smith's offense, but it's, it's not as, vertical in offense as I think a lot of people assume given how many explosive plays that they had it's a lot more intermediate vertical stuff and it's just like AJ Brown just trucking dudes uh you know on those dig routes over the middle and whatnot it's just Yankee concept Yankee concept Yankee concept and that to me fits really well with Julio Jones's skill set but I am curious to sort of see how he adapts his offense to some of the other players because I think Calvin Ridley has a different skill set than what Corey Davis does. I think, right. you know, as you mentioned, the, the tight ends are going to be different. The running backs are going to be different. Mike Davis is going to be a much more valuable option in the passing game than Derrick Henry was. Not to say that Derrick Henry was bad in the passing game, but that just wasn't sort of where they fed him uh, all that much. So, you know, I, I'm going to be very interested to sort of see how the Falcons sort of adapt things to Kyle Pitts. I guess my next question is, do you envision a future where Kyle Pitts becomes kind of the focus of the offense? I don't know, because I do, I mean, unless the Falcons give us a reason to think otherwise, like, you got to think it's going to be Pitts and Ridley here for the long term. Uh, So, I mean, I I, I guess I still see, even if Pitts is, like, on the roster with no Julio in, in, you know, the coming years, uh, like, I I still expect Ridley to kind of get the majority of targets just he's a wide receiver. Uh, But, I mean, dude, if Pitts is – you know, I don't even want to call it number two. It's like a one B, uh, almost. Yeah, that that's a spot where you can start. I think it, once Julio moves on, you can start. You know, messing around with him more at wide receiver at like X, and then you still get the looks at tight end. Uh, it, it's just he's just such a unique, special player. And as much as I like. I still wanted the Falcons to take Justin Fields on the on the board. Like as you go back and you just rewatch Kyle Pitts tape, you're like, okay, like I get it. Like I get why you guys did this. But uh it, it's just gonna be crazy to see what he grows into uh as he, you know, gets older, because he's only gonna be twenty one like during the season. Uh adds more strength, adds more bulk, gets used to the speed of the NFL game. And for him to end up being like I don't know, a 100-plus, 120-plus target guy down in the future, I don't think that'd be that surprising. Yeah. I mean, the way I kind of look at it between him and Ridley dynamic, I kind of see Ridley similar to what Roddy White was in 2012, where Roddy got the majority of the targets, but defensive coordinators were game planning for Julio Jones. You know, like, it was just like, we had to to double this. When when the Falcons would do their sort of max protect, send Julio and Roddy deep, the safety's going to Julio's side of the field, which would give Roddy those sort of one-on-ones you know, like we saw in the playoff game against Richard Sherman and whatnot. Um, so, like, yeah, I think that's going to be interesting thing to watch that sort of dynamic grow in the future. Um, I guess the last question I have for you, Charles, is, um, you know, what were your other thoughts beyond the first round pick in terms of what the Falcons didn't draft? And we'll hear Charles's answer on that as we wrap up today's Locked on Falcons 
podcast. But as we inch towards the end of today's episode, we are inching towards the end of the NBA season, but there's still plenty of basketball left guys with the NBA playoffs being roughly 10 days away. And of course, that means you guys should be checking out the NBA side of the lockdown podcast network, where you can find a daily podcast devoted to your favorite NBA team, including the Atlanta Hawks. Check out the lockdown Hawks podcast hosted by Brad Roland on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline gives you all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. And there's no time like the month of May to get started at BetOnline, the second leg of the Triple Crown. The Preakness is later this week. The NBA and NHL playoffs, as well as the French Open, all begin later this month. And, of course, baseball season is in full swing as you can track all the action at BetOnline. And it's not just sports, since BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, shows and reality TV get real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today at betonline.ag. Use the promo code locked on and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That means if you deposit a hundred, you'll get $50 in free money to play with again, using that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Now, did you know that Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market and they have nine delicious flavors? And whether you're like me and a big fan of the coconut almond or you prefer mint brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, double chocolate, peanut butter brownie, salted caramel, coconut or raspberry, there's something for everyone. And there's also the occasional limited time flavor, too. You can try them all with a mix box, getting two each of all nine flavors because Built Bars contain 100 percent real chocolate. They taste just like a candy bar. That's why I'm a big fan of the coconut almond. It tastes just like an almond joy. And Built Bars, they're not just tasty. They're healthy, too. They're low in sugar, low in calories, high in protein, high in fiber. And if you weren't sure what to get mom for Mother's Day, well, Mother's Day may be over, but you can still get her a Built Bar, a box of Built Bars, because I know moms love Built Bars. Send her that box, and you'll be sure to be her favorite, at least until you have to get her that next box of Built Bars. And all you got to do to do that is head over to the website at builtbar.com. Use the promo code lock 15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code lock 15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. So Charles, what were your thoughts on the rest of the Falcons draft class after Kyle Pitts? <laughs> well, uh, I didn't actually, as the draft was going on, Kyle Pitts was the only player that I had seen that the Falcons drafted. So I had to go back and watch uh, basically everyone. I, I'm, I haven't gotten to some, like all the later round guys, but uh, Richie Grant, I mean, I would imagine he's the best safety on the team, but that says more about like where the Falcons are <laughs> at safety. Like, I like, like when I was because like, when people were talking about him, you know, uh, all these people are, oh, you know, you got one of the best defensive players in the draft, blah, blah, blah. I watched him, I was like, yeah, he's, he's solid. Like, I think he's a solid free safety, uh, or maybe even a guy that can just like interchange between free and box. Like, I think he's just. Good all-around safety, got good range over the top, but you know, I, I think he's a, like I think he projects a long-term starter. But I wasn't you know over the moon watching the Richie Grant film uh, and Mayfield. <laughs> I watched a couple games of that. I was like, I don't know what we're doing here. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and, you know, Michigan fans would be like, oh yeah, he was hurt last year, and yeah, I don't know, maybe that's why he didn't play all that well, but. I don't really get being enticed with that as like a, you know, we're going to kick him inside the guard and he's just kind of like, even just for a guard, he's kind of like a decent athlete, not a great one. Definitely not a great athlete for a tackle. Uh, that seems like, you know, one of those things where you, you look at a guy and goes, Oh, he's so young. He's so big. He's so strong. Like 
if we can mold something out of that. I just, I don't really see it with him. Drew Dahlman, probably the most interesting one to me because, like, once again, like, I hadn't heard of any of these guys. And I was on, uh, you know, the relative athletic score site that Kent Lee Platt does, a uh, really great, useful resource. And I saw that Dahlman was like, basically one of the most athletic offensive linemen, you know, to come out in recent memory, you know, giving those, uh, the proto numbers, you know, taken with a grain of salt. But, mm-hmm. but I, I was pretty impressed with what I saw from Dahlman. I mean, I think that sometimes, I, I guess, like, I don't know how to put this, but like, raw power, like, is kind of lacking at times. But when you, like, the the way you watch him move, like, on the interior, like, scoop blocks and reach blocks, it's really easy to see why someone would be interested in that. And the, what I've been telling myself is, I just imagine that Dahlman was a third round pick and then Mayfield was a fourth round pick and it kind of gets a little bit easier uh, to excuse. <laughs> and I, I also took a, uh, I watched a few clips to the Texas uh, defensive tackle, but his name is escaping me. Take on Graham. Right. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I keep saying this, but like I hadn't heard of him. I, I turned on the tape and like, I don't think he's polished project at all, but he's got some juice. So I'm interested to see what Dean Pease does with them. I mean, for me, this draft class is, like, outside of pits, it just kind of feels like you're treading water again. But uh, you got Kyle Pitts, and that's going to be fun. Yeah. Well, you know, if you haven't got Ogun Deji, you watched the Duke game this year, he's wrecking those guys. Right. And you're, you're going to be like, this guy, oh, man, he, he got a superstar. And then you watch pretty much any other game he did this past year, and you're like, oh, he's fine. He's fine. <laughs> Just Duke's offensive line, I guess, was terrible because he he's absolutely obliterating Duke's offensive line in that game. He looks yeah. like a probably a top fifty player in that in that one game alone. But yeah, but for like for Terry's first draft, I mean, outside of the Mayfield pick, it's solid. I think you got three starters with Pitts, uh, Dalman, and, and Grant, and then we'll see how the other guys kind of fill in as as the years go on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Charles, I, I really appreciate you coming in and talking a little bit more with Kyle Pitts. I look forward to seeing what we actually get to see from him later this summer and, and into the fall. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, I won't have any other reason to have you come on the podcast in that time <laughs> to talk about, you know, someone getting traded or, or something ridiculous like that. Uh, so hopefully it'll be a while before I talk to you next time on the podcast. Just give us one year of the uh, Julio Ridley Pitts mega desk. That's all I'm asking for. Just one season. Yeah. All right. I feel like Arthur Smith is probably pushing for the same. <laughs> one would hope. One would hope. But go ahead and, and plug your stuff, what you got going on at the uh, For the Win, um, and where else other people can find your content. Uh, last week, me we had a, me and my coworker Stephen Ruiz. We had um, my pal Justice on, basically a seventy edge uh, counter crossover episode where we let Justice just rant for forty five minutes about the Packers and everything that's going wrong with them. And he's a staunchly Team Rogers and doesn't want him to go. So that was a pretty entertaining listen. Uh, we have like, the Kyle Pitts article coming out this week. Stephen's working on something. Uh, basically, like I think it's a deep dive on like the third down trends of Brandon Staley's defense and how that's going to fit with the Chargers and their personnel. Some pretty nerdy crap, and then uh, you know NFL schedule stuff. I'm going to try to get out of most of that, but maybe someone else put something on the side. <laughs> All right, my friend, I appreciate you joining me talking Kyle Pitts. Look forward to our next chat. Uh, it's going to be fire because it's either going to be about the Falcons making the worst trade in the history of the world or uh, the Falcons are. Good again. 
I don't know. So. Yeah. Or they're terrible again. Either way, it's going to be very entertaining for the listeners out there. All right, later. All right, man. Have a good one. All right, guys. There you have it. Charles McDonald for the win. Ted Wynn of The Athletic. And there we are leaving it temporarily, I guess you could say, for Locked on Kyle Pitts week. That's the three days of Kyle Pitts' contract centric content right here on the lockdown Falcons podcast this week. And tomorrow, of course, we'll be reacting to the schedule release and the order of the games, uh, that we officially get Wednesday night later tonight, as most of you are listening to this. And in Friday's episode, I will regale you with my conspiracy theory of why the Falcons still may have been, uh, had Trey Lance number two on their draft board. And that will be a fun episode as we do the weekly wrap up and maybe talk about again, like we did last week on the weekly wrap up, talk about some interesting nuggets from these assistant coaches. In addition to, you know, me going deep into the weeds of trying to explain away why I still think it's possible that the Falcons might've had Trey Lance above Kyle Pitts on the draft board, just so I can go out of my way and spend 35 of, of that 40 minute episode coming up with the very convoluted uh, belief system and structure system and, and, and going to alternate time dimensions just so I do not have to admit, you know what? Maybe I was wrong on the thing. Maybe something I said on this podcast was wrong. No, 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 that's, that can't, that's not possible guys. So, um, you know, that's what you have looking forward to on Friday. And then by Monday, we should get the Richie Grant scouting report. I don't know if we're going to have locked on Richie Grant week, uh, unless you guys know some people that I should be reaching out to to talk in depth about Richie Grant and his fit in the schema. Although I do, I know a guest or two, so I think we probably can get two days out of Richie Grant week on locked on Falcons podcast. So, That's something that we may do. All right, guys, there's the plan for the rest of the week and starting next week. But uh, we we still got a lot of Kyle Pitts content coming over the summer. All right. So don't worry if you missed these three days or if these three days weren't enough to satisfy your appetite for Kyle Pitts content, then certainly you will get a lot more on the Locked On Falcons podcast and Locked On Kyle Pitts Summer, I guess is you know, in, instead of Hot Girl Summer, is is Kyle Pitts Summer or something like that. So, uh, whatever. <laughs> uh, I don't know why that's so funny to me. <laughs> I tell you guys, I can't talk right now. I'm watching Kyle Pitts.